sports? Yeah, we got some of that. This is 94.3 The Game. WRHDFM, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Thanks for hanging out. Do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Hi, welcome in to this Friday, June 2nd edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is regional Friday. It's finally here, East Carolina. Going to get its postseason play underway tonight in Charlottesville against the Oklahoma Sooners at 7 o'clock from Davenport Field in Charlottesville, Virginia. Of course, we actually got some baseball about to finally get underway. We've been previewing it all week. Virginia and Army are about to throw out the first pitch in Charlottesville. Philip Pilkington in studio alongside. And, Philip, it's been a long week, a ton of previewing. Uh, we'll continue to preview ECU Oklahoma over this next hour, but uh, we're finally here, man. We finally made it. We finally are. And, you know, the one thing that I don't like about this day is I don't have enough TV screens right. to get me through. At least basketball, they play 16 games one day, 16 games the other day. Here in baseball, we got all 32 games today, which makes it very exciting but very hard to watch. I think so. the ESPN, they've done this app in the past for this channel where it's like bases loaded or squeeze play or something like that. I hope, I really hope that that's back this year so we can... If you're if you're not at the games, you can kind of watch. And of course, the ECU's not playing. You're not tuned in on one specific game. It's kind of like red zone for you know NFL, where you can kind of turn on that channel and they'll flip around to all the games going on in in, in key spots. So I've enjoyed that in the past. I'm hoping that's back. Um, you know, anybody listening, let me know. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook, also on Twitter. If you're on the way to Charlottesville. Let us know. We'll give you a shout-out. Or if you're just watching the show and you got a question, comment, anything about the regional, let us know that you that you want to talk about, and we'll address that because we got a whole hour to do it. We're going to visit with Josh Calloway of Sooners Illustrated coming up shortly. He works for 24-7 Sports, a colleague of mine that covers Oklahoma baseball. So we'll get an in-depth look at the Sooners and what to expect from them in segment two. But uh, we found out yesterday officially, we addressed that at the end of the show, Philip, that Treya Savage will indeed be starting for the Pirates. And there, there was a lot of speculation on, hey, do you play to win the regional and save Treya Savage for Virginia, which is the top offensive team in the country in terms of batting average, or do you not mess around? You're facing the national runner-ups from a season ago in Oklahoma. Yes, they've had a down season. I'll start off by saying I never thought there was a right or wrong answer. I think you can make a fair argument either way. ECU opts to go with Trey Savage, Cliff Goblin, saying that basically they're going to take up one game at a time, and I think that's the right approach in terms of if you start to look past the team, the caliber of Oklahoma, you can get bit quickly, and then you got to turn around and maybe use Trey Savage in a loser's bracket game, which isn't going to help out anybody. No, I agree, and the biggest reason I think that maybe you can't make the wrong decision here is at the end of the day, if you go one and one no matter which game it is you win and which game it is you lose, you're in the same boat. You're playing Sunday morning. So you got to put yourself in the best position to go 2-0, and the best way to do that is winning the first game. You worry about Saturday when Saturday comes. we got a couple comments on YouTube. Robert Dedrick says, watching the UVA Army game while listening to your podcast. Kaysen Romaley, who works for us at, at Hoist the Colors as an intern, he says, I am boots on the ground for UVA. 
Army, and he's saying, go Army. He is there in Charlottesville. So we got people in Charlottesville tuned in. We got people who are just hanging around uh, watching uh, the show at home, waiting for 7 o'clock to come. And we'll uh, continue to preview Pirates Sooners. Interesting matchup just from the standpoint of you don't get ECU Oklahoma a lot in any sport. Uh, but certainly I'm interested to talk to with Josh Philip, about where does like Oklahoma baseball rank on their fans' priority list? I, I have to imagine it's not at the top. I, I would think softball is even ahead of, of baseball. It is. I'm, I'm sure it probably is. But the way they sell out softball, you got to think of any school who's selling out softball games. There's got to be some love for baseball too. You know, usually uh, teams that are better in baseball might get a little better softball attendance here and there, just because people are already around the facilities on weekends. So you know, maybe I'm thinking that they are probably second behind softball when it comes to a spring sport. But I would guess, with the success they've had, especially the success last year, that it can't just be one of those schools where hardly anybody shows up. And I've actually seen a picture on Twitter where there's not a lot of Cavalier or Wahoo or whatever their stupid mascot is fans. Right now in Charlottesville, the stadium is about uh, three-quarters empty right now in Charlottesville. So, uh I would hope the uh, Sooner fans may be a little more passionate than the uh, Cavalier, Wahoo, whatever the heck of Virginia thing is, fan. I guess they're just, they do have like four different mascot names, you know, the Wahoos, Cavaliers, Who's, so I guess uh, maybe just pick one and stick with it, but um, yeah, you know, 12 noon on a Friday, I guess it's tough for the, the every fan to make it, but you would expect even a better turnout than what they have. I, I would think if they win tomorrow night, it would be pretty packed, but but still, that, that's the, you know, the, the advantage of playing that early game as the host, you know, as the host team, you have the choice of, hey, do we want to play the afternoon game on a Friday, probably get less crowd, but put yourself in a better competitive advantage perhaps if you win the game because then you get to scout the night game, you get the Saturday afternoon off, and then you come back and play Saturday night. You know, we saw ECU when they first hosted, they played the, the night game the first few nights. Uh, the first few years, I should say, under Cliff Goblin. And then as they became more of a regular host, they opted to go with the afternoon game due to that competitive advantage. So I guess that's what's for, what is Virginia is doing here. Um, and then also it opens the door for ECU, Oklahoma, national primetime TV. We were looking at the schedule, and we'll run over that here shortly, Philip. East Carolina, Oklahoma, the first game on a linear network in terms of ESPN, ESPN2. Uh, ESPNU has a few games. UConn, I know, is about to uh, tip off or kick off there, uh, or throw out the first pitch, I should say, for, for baseball. Um, I get Texas Tech, I believe, yep. and then you've got LSU Tulane later on. But ESPN and ESPN2 coverage, ECU will be the first college baseball game of regional weekend on a major network tonight at 7 o'clock, which is pretty cool. And then Cal State Fullerton uh, is, is the late game. So big opportunity for the Pirates on the national stage. It is, and you know that you know we were talking about before. This proves that pirate baseball has become a national brand. You know, you don't get you, you know put on the on one of two games on ESPN two just being a slum school. Now, it's clear they're choosing two two three matchups, so they're not putting one four matchups really on the big networks, which is understandable because theoretically these are better games. Theoretically, these are the games where you don't know who is going to win. But still, they had a you know a solid amount of games here to choose from. I mean, take Iowa and North Carolina, for example, and that game's being put on the ACC network, which, yes, is a national channel, but it's still not big ESPN or ESPN2. So I think that says a lot about where this program is. Anise Roth 
Carolina Panthers play-by-play guy. He is doing the play-by-play for the uh, Charlottesville Regional, so he'll be on the call tonight along with Devin Travis, who's a recent Toronto Blue Jays second baseman. So I think a pretty good announcing crew for the series as well. So tune in tonight, of course, if you can't make it. And if you're driving around in your car just want to listen to the radio, Scott Rogers will have you covered here on 94.3 The Game starting at 6.45, 15 minutes ahead of the 7 o'clock first pitch. We got the Virginia and Army game on the television in the studio. Army goes up hacking at the first pitch. And we'll keep you updated with this throughout the next hour if there's any uh, scoring surprises or anything like that as far as the game. Pretty cool setup there. I just want to say, you know, I, I went to the regional in 2016 as we watched this on TV. I, I, I can already tell, like, the outfield area has become a major upgrade. There were not those little stand standing room only uh, options when I went the last time. So uh, interested to see. I got to drive up to Charlottesville immediately after this show. But uh, it, it's a great ballpark and a great venue. And... Philip, it is played on grass, and uh, that is my that's my ultimate thing because ECU Army or ECU Oklahoma Virginia, excuse me, are are three teams that play all their home games on natural grass. If you know me, you know I hate baseball on field turf. Army ahead of this year actually went from grass to field turf, so they're the only team in this regional that does not have you know the experience of playing the majority of their games on natural grass. But it's just something beautiful about seeing that that dirt mound with clay. And the grass, and not seeing a bunch of uh, field turf uh, spikes everywhere. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the balls take weird hops. Yeah. Uh, there's no trans. The in, the dirt and the grass part is not different. It's the same material. That's weird. I couldn't imagine sliding on that stuff, and you know, it's caused ECU to have a lot of errors, unfortunately, on turf. So that's part of the reason we don't like it. But you're right. It's just it doesn't feel like baseball when you see that turf. You feel like I mean, you look like you're watching an NFL game in a dome, which yeah. I don't think football should be played in a dome anyway, so that's a whole other argument for another day. We could do a whole show on a grass versus turf. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it sounds like it's a pretty hot hot one down there or up there in Charlottesville, uh, and so we'll continue to monitor the weather situation. I know there's potential for pop-up storms tomorrow. It looks pretty clear today, so hopefully we can make it through a regional weekend without too many delays. Oklahoma, by the way, we talked about Trey Savage starting for East Carolina Oklahoma's going with their ace as well, as you would expect. Braden Carmichael, the left-hander, is 7-0 and with a 3-1-5 ERA. Interesting numbers, and I'll, we'll ask Josh Callaway about this here shortly, Philip. but 272 batting average against, which is pretty high, but only 13 walks in 74 innings and only 59 strikeouts in 74 innings, which isn't great either. I went back and watched one of his starts, uh, just, you know, not the whole start, but just bits and pieces of it in the – the conference tournament against, uh, I believe it was Texas Tech. And he was about 86 to 88 with the fastball, good changeup, but more of a command lefty. And if you're ECU today, you kind of know what you're going to get. It's just a matter of executing it. You're not going to get walked. You're going to have to go out there and string things together or get a leadoff single and sack bun and, and do some different things to move the baseball. But you're going to be facing a guy today that's in the strike zone a lot. So I uh, know a lot of left on left. We know ECU's lineup is a ton of left-handed hitters. Carmichael, a lefty, so an interesting matchup today on the mound. It is, and, you know, you also mentioned he tops out about 86, 88. The Pirates have struggled, too, with those guys who don't have high-velocity fastballs yep. as well as left-handed pitchers. But, you know, this speaks to his 
faith in his defense. You know, he pitches to contact. You mentioned there, well, only about a, three strikeouts every four innings, roughly. Yeah. So not a big strikeout guy. Uh, means he probably gets a lot of ground ball outs, a lot of fly ball outs. So um, big faith in the defense. But, hey, you got to put the ball in play because if a guy who doesn't get a lot of strikeouts starts striking you out, that's when he can really get his confidence built up. And it's when when you put the ball in play, too, there is the ability for that other team to make errors, which can also be a confidence killer for them. We know Cliff Galvin loves to, to sack bunt or do some bunting. And I'll ask you your take on this. In a game like this, on paper, it looks like it could be a pitching duel. Oklahoma, not great depth on the pitching mound, but this is their best guy against ECU's best guy. Would you expect ECU to do some bunting early in this game? Let's say they get a leadoff walk from Jacob Starling. You know, do you go up there first inning, sack bunt, and play for an early one nothing lead, or do you play for the big inning, which we've seen ECU have a lot this year? I just, I wonder what those conversations are like if you're you're Cliff Goblin. Yeah, it's interesting. I think in the past it's a hundred percent bunt. Um, he has bunted. It seems like a little less this year. Probably still one of the top teams yeah. in the country in bunts, but not to the level of in the past. And you would like to have that big put away inning. So I think maybe early in the game you don't see it as much. But, you know, if this is a 1-1 game, a 2-1 game, when you get into those middle innings, you got to realize that, hey, one run it can be the difference. But I would love to see him not give up one of the 27 outs that he gets to work with early in this game and try and get the starter off the mound as early as possible. And the only way to do that is to have a big inning. No doubt Oklahoma offensively, they bat 283 as a team. Only 44 home runs, so not a ton of power, but a ton of speed. They've stolen 109 bases, and again, we'll talk about this more with Josh coming up in our next segment. But it seems like they're a team you want to keep off the base path. And similar to ECU, ECU loves to walk, loves to get on base via the free pass and and kind of create havoc this way. And I don't want to say it's a mirror image, but certainly some similarities here in terms of maybe who's in the zone the most, who executes the most. Uh, as far as not walking guys, not hitting guys, you'll see hit batsmen this time of year with pitchers trying to pitch inside can play a big role. Uh, and, and then each team kind of has a big bopper in the middle of the lineup. You know, Oklahoma's got Bryce Madrone, who uh, has had a great season, 11 home runs, 14 doubles. ECU's got Josh Moylan, who has been the kind of the, the major power threat all season. So there are a lot of similarities between these two clubs. You know, that really is interesting because very seldomly does East Carolina play a team where it seems like they play the same brand of baseball as Cliff Godwin. And maybe it's not the true pirate brand of baseball. You don't see quite as many sack bunts, but still kind of a small ball team that's kind of the type of baseball that's being moved away from here in the 2020s where you get a lot more of those home run strikeout teams, a lot of power. You don't see as many stolen bags, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Pirates match up when a team shows up and plays the same style of game that they do. East Carolina, Oklahoma, 7 o'clock tonight, first pitch. Uh, Army in Virginia through the top of the first. Brian Edgerton, the Virginia starter, set down the Black Knights 1-2-3. We'll keep you up to date with that score as well. All right, let's get our first break in. On the other side, we'll dive deeper into what the Oklahoma Sooners bring to the table. We'll visit with Josh Calloway from Sooners Illustrated from 24-7 Sports. We'll have that conversation for you next on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be pipe. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on ninety four three the game? All right, welcome back into hoist the colors on ninety four three the game. We got Philip Pilkington in the studio. Stephen Igo here. We're watching the 
Virginia Army regional opener. Virginia already with a couple of hits, just five pitches into the bottom of the first. We'll keep you up to date there with what's going on with the first matchup in the Charlottesville regional. But we're going to preview the Oklahoma-East Carolina game set for 7 o'clock Eastern tonight on ESPN2. To do that, we're going to visit with Josh Calloway from Sooners Illustrated, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Josh, you ready for some baseball tonight? I am. I am. Uh, you know, uh, postseason baseball was not uh, something that was necessarily given for this Oklahoma program uh, you know, the last week or two. So uh, we'll appreciate some postseason coverage and look forward to it. Love the tournament. The tournament's one of the best. You know, this uh, first weekend is one of the best weekends of the year. So it's a, it's a good time. No doubt. And, and, you know, we'll dive into that, the fact that they were able to make the tournament, I think, as the next to last yeah. team in officially. And, you know, such a difference from a season ago where – they were national runners-up, and I know that you know they weren't a, a top seed necessarily last year, but a very dangerous team. And what what changed? I mean, I know they had some personnel losses. Was that the main factor in kind of the up-and-down nature of this season compared to last year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at last year's team, and, and you're right. It's not the same situation for Oklahoma. Last year they were not seeded, but they were two-seed within their regional, and they came into – the postseason, one of the hottest teams in the country. And there was some thought that they had a chance to host whenever the brackets were revealed and the hosts were announced all that last Sunday uh, of the season. They went into the postseason last year. They won the Big 12 tournament. They had almost won the Big 12 regular season title. They had won six or seven, I think, series in a row to end the year. I mean, they were popping hot in the back end of last season. This year, like you said, a little more up and down. They played a little better the last month and a half or so. But all year, the inconsistency has kind of been the, you know, the, the thing for this team. They've had some moments where they look like, oh, okay, maybe this is that corner being turned, and then they'll have a setback day or a weekend where it's okay, maybe, maybe not. And I do think that roster turnover is, it's too much to ignore. I mean, you look from last year's team, the entire starting rotation uh, is not back from last year's team. They also lost their catcher, their first baseman, their shortstop, their center fielder. Their primary designated hitter, their closer, another key reliever, and even an assistant coach, you know, to top it off. I mean, they had a lot left this team from last year. They got ravaged by the MLB draft uh, last season. Even some transfers they had added, they ended up getting drafted and not transferring in. So, I mean, you just kind of add it all up, and there was, you know, a lot of turnover for this team going into this year. So that's why I kind of took them a little bit of time to kind of find it, just kind of figure out the pieces that had to fit together and everybody gets comfortable, but... They have been a lot better team last, you know, month and a half or so. They won 12 of their last 19 games, you know, so they're, they're playing a little better. They've had some nice wins in there. And, you know, they're just kind of a team that, that really feels thankful to be in the postseason. So we'll see if that translates to kind of playing free and loose and all that good stuff. But that's at least what they're saying, you know, is that, look, we weren't totally expected to be here. Not a lot of people thought we were going to be here, especially the last month or so. So we're just kind of enjoying the ride and seeing where it takes us. Yeah, I was going to ask, too, like when you look at kind of the, the fact that you see so often in college sports, if a team kind of gets in as one of those last teams, the, the pressure is kind of off once you get into the postseason because some, some some people are doubting you. You're kind of thinking of it as, hey, we get to play some free extra baseball because we, we maybe thought our season mm-hmm. was over. Does that play to Oklahoma's advantage, you think? I, I do think so. And, you know, Skip Johnson, you know, we talked to him. Uh, on Monday on the phone after the selections came out. We always talked to him on Wednesday before they left for Charlottesville, and he described it as a weight being lifted off their shoulders that they got back into the tournament. You know, because obviously last year was such an incredible run, and OU Baseball is a program that 
is on the rise, and they're trying to build this thing up. Obviously, you're very well aware the SEC move is looming for this team and this program, and they know that they need to beef some stuff up before they get there. And part of that is continuing momentum they built up off of last year. And so it kind of felt like these guys and this group felt the pressure all year of last year's run to Omaha to try and replicate it and to be entertaining and to win a lot of games. This was the most well-attended year of OU baseball in program history in terms of fan attendance. There was a lot of pressure on these guys to kind of follow up last year, even though that wasn't totally fair. Like, like I just said, they lost the Western Washers team. So I think getting back to the postseason was always kind of the goal, and they've reached that. And so I do think they're coming in. Expectations, I don't want to say they're low in a bad sense, but they're, they're low in terms of they're going in just kind of saying, you know, hey, we're the underdogs in this first game. East Carolina is an extremely good team, really good program. Obviously, Virginia is the host. Not many people are picking us to get through. Not many people really even thought Oklahoma deserved to be in the field. So I think they're kind of using all that as fuel and just kind of relax and see how the uh, you know how the chips fall once the baseball starts getting played. Virginia already out to a four nothing lead in the bottom of the first. It looks like the winner of tonight, you know, barring something crazy, will be facing the Cavaliers. Of course, a lot of baseball left in Charlottesville in this yeah. opening game. But um, you know, big big time pitching matchup tonight. Josh Trey Savage going for ECU. He looks like a top, you know, potential first round pick in next year's draft. Just a sophomore uh, this season. But then on the other side, Braden Carmichael, kind of the veteran of Oklahoma's pitching staff, a guy who's pitched well all year, going for the Sooners. What do you expect from this matchup, and specifically from Carmichael's point of view, what makes him so effective? Yeah, you know, Braden Carmichael's had a really interesting OU career, because like you said, he is a veteran. Um, he's been on this program for a long time, but this is far and away his best season. He's had times where his role really got diminished. I mean, he was on last year's team, but he never saw them out. He definitely wasn't starting games, and he wasn't really even used at the bullpen much at all either. He, he's had moments in the early part of his career where they thought this is definitely a weekend guy. But even at the start of this year, he wasn't a weekend guy. But he got that opportunity, and he just ran with it. It's been really, you know, kind of special to watch, honestly. This guy kind of stuck with the program, especially in, you know, modern college sports where guys, a lot of times, they just still bounce. They look for a new team whenever their role gets diminished. Whatever. He really stuck it out this whole time, and you're seeing that pay off for him this year. And it's been far and away the best year of his career. He's been Clearly, Oklahoma's best starting pitcher. It's not a surprise that they're going to him tonight. He will pound the strike zone. He's not going to blow you away with any kind of velocity or anything like that. He just is very precise. He doesn't throw. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. You know, he'll live in the zone. He'll live with soft contact and let his defense go to work. That's something that uh, Oklahoma really prides themselves on, on being a really good defensive team, especially in the outfield. It's as good of a defensive outfield as there is, you know, in the country. So, that's kind of his, his strategy. I'm going to put in the zone and let my defense do it, and it's hard to argue with it. He, does, he still has a zero in the loss column. He's been really effective uh, all season long, and I think Oklahoma goes into this knowing that, you know, and it's, it's the case for a lot of these teams, but Oklahoma knows that they just simply don't have the pitching depth to come out of the loser's bracket. That's going to be really, really hard for them to do. But they want to try and get out of this regional and keep this ride going, similar to last year they got to find a way to stay ahead of it. You know, stay in that winner's bracket. That's something that last year's team did so well. They always got off to a good start, whether it was in the regional, super regional, Omaha, whatever it was. They always got off to a good start, which you kind of have to do if you want to go on a deep run. That's even more important for this year's team because they just don't have the depth 
in terms of starters or in terms of bullpen to try and win, you know, four or five games over the course of a weekend. So you, you need to go up to a good start tonight, and that's why I'm not surprised that they went ahead and went with Carmichael here in the opener. Risen with Josh Calloway of Sooners, illustrated part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And we'll talk about the offense here in a second, Josh. But, yeah, the, the pitching staff with a 5-9-0 ERA as a a staff. What what does the depth in the bullpen look like? And if they get, you know, further into this tournament, uh, who are some of the guys that we could see start other games as well? Yeah, so I would imagine that tomorrow will be Jamie Hitt, who's a Texas Tech transfer. He's a lefty. Uh, he's kind of been the next best starter uh, for Oklahoma after Carmichael. Uh, Braxton Dowsett was their Friday night man for pretty much the entire season. He was really, really good for the first couple months. But his last five, six starts or so, it's kind of hard to, to put your finger on him. He's kind of lost a little bit of that command. He's walking a few too many guys, and he's just kind of gotten hit overall. The last, like I said, five, six starts or so have really not gone well for him. So I don't know if he would be an option to start. I would imagine he would be. You know, Skip Johnson has shown a willingness and a, you know, uh, he, he even will like it and go to it in key spots. He did it last year in the run as well to kind of just bolt in games. And usually when he does that, Carson Atwood, who's a typical reliever, is a guy that he likes to start games with and give him two or three innings. And then they'll kind of ride Carter Campbell, who's kind of just a long man. He'll throw three, four innings out of the bullpen, sidearm and lefty. And then kind of just will piece it together from there. There's a lot of other relievers. That have had some really good moments this year for Oklahoma and some really bad ones. It's kind of been a hodgepodge, piece it together as you go sort of bullpen. But Atwood and Campbell have been, for the most part, the two constants there. Those will be the first two guys out of the pen that I would expect to see if this game gets late and Oklahoma has a lead or, or what, you know, what have you. So those will be the best options. Jamie Hitt will start a game this weekend, that's for sure. And then I think probably if they play a third game, which obviously they're hoping to do, uh, I think Braxton doubts it probably is that next option. After that, Will Carson's another guy who started some games this year. He's a right-hander. He's an option if you need him. He can also pitch some innings out of the bullpen. They've seen him do that a few times this year. So, you know, that's kind of uh, a little bit of the mantra for this team this year on the pitching side is outside of Carmichael, but there's not really a whole lot of solidified roles. Guys will start games. Guys will come out of the bullpen. Guys will close games. The relievers will start games. Skip Johnson just kind of has to piece it together however he sees fit to try and find a way to win ball games. Yeah, I, would, I think if this is a close game, just based off what you said, Carter Campbell makes sense because ECU's got about seven, eight lefties in the lineup, and they're not really yeah. balanced. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they try to piggyback Carmichael with Campbell if this is a close game. Virginia now 6 nothing. They've already knocked out Army starter in the bottom of the first, so they are uh, showing why they're the top-hitting team in the yeah. country. Let's look, <laughs> let's look at the batting for Oklahoma and – uh, I tell you what, the, the numbers for Bryce Madrone, I believe is the pronunciation, just jump off the page, Josh. 59 walks to 36 strikeouts, and he can hit the ball to the ballpark. Is he kind of the catalyst for this offense? Yeah, Bryce Madrone and Dakota Harris both. They're kind of that, you know, that uh, shortstop right field the combination right there at the top of the order. And those two guys are, are kind of the power. And that, you know, Oklahoma's not a big power hitting team. That's not how the program is built. You know, Skip Johnson and his staff have built this team to be more contact, hit for average, and speed. That's kind of their their approach, right? They don't have a lot of guys who can have the ballpark, but Bryce Madrone is, is that guy. He's got a lot of power, and like you pointed out, the walks, he's got extremely good plate discipline. You know, it took him about a month, month and a half or so to really get going with the bat. But even in that time where he wasn't hitting a lot and the average was in the other you know, 100, he was still walking. The plate discipline is really, really good. He's got a very good eye and, you know, vision uh, at the plate. So he's going to be a fun one to watch. And then 
Yeah, Dakota Harris, I would say, right in front of him in that three-hole. Typically, is where he bats and uh, Madras clean up. Dakota Harris has been really, really good. And if you look at Oklahoma's season, they go through kind of a big dip in the middle of the year where they lost a bunch of games. That was when Dakota Harris was out injured. Uh, he makes a really big difference uh, for this lineup and defensively a shortstop. He kind of uh, he kind of makes the whole thing go, quite frankly. So those two guys are huge. And also he, uh, important to watch as well, John Spikerman, who's a center fielder, he's going to bat leadoff. He was one of the few guys who was on last year's team that went to Omaha. And, you know, he had kind of a disappointing year, you know, trying to follow up all the success of last year. He's a really good center fielder, has a lot of speed. But in the last few weeks or so, and especially in Arlington, he is really starting to hit the ball. He got put back in the leadoff spot. He lost that job for a while. He's back at the top of the lineup, and he has been really, really good. In the month of May, his, his numbers jump off the page. So watch for him to try and keep that going. If John Spikeman's getting on base, and hitting the ball and, and finding a way to kind of wreak havoc when he gets on, Oklahoma's at their best. So if East Carolina can keep him off the base, they're going to be in a lot better shape as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, 142 stolen base attempts for the Sooners team, which is almost 100 more than what opponents have tried, which is 57. Yeah. I mean, and a good success rate, 109, but is it almost like as soon as they get on base, they, they go? I mean, is there any... I don't know any hesitation. It just seems like looking at the raw numbers that if they have one of their guys on base, they're they're not afraid to take a chance. That's a pretty accurate description. Uh, they are extremely aggressive on the base pass, and not even just steals, but try and take the extra bag, you know, uh, sack flies, whatever. And that's how they're coached. Like I said, they're not a big power hitting team. They're a lot of speed, and it's really one through nine. All nine guys can run, and that's. That's just the way that they play. It's how they got to Omaha last year and almost won a national title. It also runs them into extra outs at times, which makes fans pull their hair out. But you have to kind of take the good with the bad there. They are going to definitely try to steal bases. And like I said, they love to go first to third, try to squeeze score from second if they can. They'll have to drop a bunt, make the defense make plays. That's just how they play. So, yeah, that's an accurate description. Very, very aggressive on the bases. And I expect you to see a lot of that again this weekend because that's how they always play. Josh Callaway with us from Sooners Illustrated. Last thing for you, Josh. All right, we know Oklahoma football is big, and, and of course we, we recognize the success of Oklahoma basketball over the years and even Oklahoma softball. Like, where does Oklahoma baseball rank among Sooners fans' priority list? Like, is it is it high? Is it low? Is it becoming higher? I mean, it just seems like, you know, you know, obviously we're in North Carolina, the eastern part of the state, so maybe we don't hear a ton about Oklahoma baseball, but maybe it yeah. doesn't get the recognition it, it might deserve. Yeah, you know, it... It's something that's growing a bit, and it is a good baseball state. It's a really big high school baseball state, and obviously Oklahoma State is another really good program, uh, you know, in the state of Oklahoma. It's growing a little bit. You know, what kind of slows Oklahoma down? Like I mentioned, it was a the most well attended season of baseball history this year. So you start to win, fans will will, will find their way. They'll find you if you're winning. You know, last year's run to Omaha, I think, bought them a lot of new fans. But I think generally speaking. What kind of hinders OU baseball? And it's not a, it's a good problem to have if you're Joe completely on the butt director or whatever. Is like you, you touched on it, softball is huge in this state. And OU softball is the number one team in the country. They won the last two national titles. They're eyeing their third one. You know, the Women's Cultural Series is here. It's in Oklahoma City, which is, I don't know how well you are in Oklahoma geography, but it's like three minutes away from Norman. So this is a really big softball state. But I think that takes a little bit of the attention away from baseball sometimes. And, you know, it's got a diehard fan base. It's not the biggest, but the fans that are there are diehard. And I think last year's run was so huge because softball ends in the early part of June. And OU baseball gets to have this to themselves for about three weeks. 
and it brought a lot of new fans in. So it's growing, and I think Oklahoma knows, though, that it's got to get a lot better before the SEC move comes because the SEC is a different animal. You know, last year's Caldwell Series Finals, Oklahoma and Ole Miss, is like, you know, whatever the ten, whatever the capacity is at, at Charles Field in Omaha, 30,000 or whatever, it was like 25,000 uh, Ole Miss fans. I mean, it was a very heavy, heavy rebel lean. And Oklahoma fans saw that, were a little embarrassed by that. So if that opportunity were to rise again, I'd be interested to see if it was a little bit better this time around. But, yeah, it's growing. Football is king in Oklahoma, as you might guess. But softball is huge in this state. So I think that takes a little bit of the attention away since obviously their seasons run at the same time. He's Josh Calloway. Check him out, Josh M. Calloway on Twitter. Also check him out at Sooners Illustrated, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, just like Hoist the Colors. Josh, we appreciate the insight on the Sooners. Looking forward to the game tonight, man. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. That is Josh Calloway from 24-7 Sports and Sooners Illustrated. All right. On the other side, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on in Charlottesville, Virginia, out to a 6-0 lead. We'll also talk more about the matchup tonight and look around the country, see what other games on Regional Friday have our attention. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hi, welcome back into this Friday, June 2nd, Regional Friday edition of the show. Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We just talked with Josh Calloway from Sooners Illustrated. Got a great report on what to expect tonight from Oklahoma. Kind of what we thought. Struggling in terms of pitching depth, but definitely have some talent, and they're playing their best ball of the year. Last year's national runner-ups, but a lot of new faces as well. And whoever wins tonight's game, more than likely going to have to go through the national seed, Virginia Cavaliers. I don't think it's you know 6 nothing here in the bottom of the second. Virginia just bludgeoning the Army staff. They knocked out the starter, uh, Robbie Buecher, in the first inning. With I think he got one or two outs. But, two. Yeah, he got two. Um, yeah, 32 and four at home. They're showing the numbers now. 6.4 runs a game. They bat 347 as a team at home. That's. Uh, I did read that they have only faced six six of their home games heading into today were against NCAA tournament teams. So those numbers are a little inflated. But uh, they can hit, and they, they're showing that early on against a, you know, an Army pitching staff that is solid but has also played a lot of weak competition. So I don't think we really knew what to expect from this Army staff, but it's clear Virginia can handle their, their own. Yeah, you score one run every five pitches because they saw 29 pitches and yeah. scored six runs in that first inning. There's something to be said. And, you know, you brought up the point, too, hey, you know, they've only played whatever it was, six games at home against teams that made the NCAA yeah. tournament. Miami three of those Duke. were against Duke. Okay, yeah. the other three were Miami already. So, but, again, Miami there, um, not in that. No, they were the nines. They were not a national yeah. team, but a host team. And then Duke, a team on the cusp of hosting. So those were not slum programs. It wasn't like they were four seeds that snuck in, you know, via their conference tournament. So, and they were still playing ACC competition at home. Yeah, just watching this, you know, the, the Army starter is a strike thrower. And he did throw a lot of strike, strikes, but he was over the middle of the plate. And if you're not able to pitch in on these guys, Virginia has a lot of big pro-caliber hitters. Like, they are extremely physical at the plate. Like, they're just – they look like football players. So, if you can't pitch in and jam them and make them respect both sides of the plate, they're going to mash. And uh, that, whoever, whether it's Oklahoma or ECU, ends up facing Virginia in the winner's record game is going to have to execute to have a chance to get them out. Uh, this Army stuff is just not 
not good enough from a stuff standpoint. Um, Mark Callaway checks in on YouTube. He says, hey, guys, and, you know, if you're on, on the way to the game listening, drop us a tweet. If you want us to address anything with the upcoming regional, let us know. We'll get to it in our last few minutes. Wanted to take a look around at some other action because this one's becoming a bit of a snoozer. Uh, Texas Tech with a early one nothing lead over UConn. The other game going on right now, Ball State and Kentucky in the Lexington Regional. So Kentucky electing to play the early game as a host, just like Virginia. And then we got the 1 o'clock games coming up here, Phillip. NC State Campbell, one o'clock. I am uh, super interested in that game. I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to you about you know trying to listen to the Virginia game on the way up to Charlottesville, which I'll be heading up there after the show. I, I don't think I'm going to be listening to that anymore. I think I'll try and find the Campbell NC State game to listen to because uh, that should be a good one, man. That definitely should is when you look here at this early window of games. I think that might be one of the most intriguing matchups here. Uh, obviously, I think the Texas Tech UConn might fall under that as well. But a lot of the more intriguing games come in the evening hours tonight. And obviously, with the geographical relevance of these two, how are you not entertained by these two teams? Yeah, and UNCW at Duke, they'll also or and Duke, they'll also be underway in the Coastal Carolina Regional at one o'clock. Uh, that'll be a good one as well. Washington and Dallas Baptist. I know neither of those teams are from this area, but intrigued by that game. Dallas Baptist, in my opinion, should have got a stronger look as a host. If you're looking for a potential 4-1 upset, Wright State taking on Indiana State. Wright State is a thorn in the side. Every regional as a four seed. They did it, I think it was last year against Tennessee, maybe. Or maybe that was a couple years ago. Last year was Virginia Tech. But they're always a pain in the butt, and this year they have an actual winnable matchup. And I wouldn't be shocked if they pull that off. Well, and they always play their competition. I mean, remember, yeah. they came here in the LeClaire Classic, I want to say 2018, don't quote me on that year, and beat the Pirates, and I believe they had already beaten Old Miss on the road yeah. in Oxford earlier that week in a Tuesday night contest. So this is a team that definitely plays their competition, so you never know. Yeah, I, I would look out for that upset, and just that region as a whole with North Carolina. I will always also in it. They'll be paying attention, of course, close to that uh, to that score between the one and four seed. Northeastern and Maryland also getting underway in a two three matchup in the Wake Forest regional at one o'clock. Xavier and Oregon play at one, and then two o'clock window you've got Samford and Southern Miss, Louisiana and Texas at two o'clock as well, and then some more games throughout the day. Uh, I tell you what, Phil, let's. Do you have your College World Series picks on hand by chance? We're going to make some picks here. Uh, and if you don't, I can stall and, and give you mine yeah. first. Well, i got to get logged back into mine. I, I do know who I had as my two finalists, so I can go ahead and say that, or you can go ahead and get into yours there. If you I'll tell you what, it. let's go ahead and spoil that. Do we have ECU advancing from the Charlottesville Regional? Uh, I do not. I do not as well. Yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think Virginia is, is just is loaded offensively, and I worry about a team having to beat them twice as they uh, ground the ball to shortstop that's booted by the shortstop, and now they have the bases loaded with nobody out as Virginia continues to actually they have to run scores on the air. So two errors and one play there, a, a E6 on the fielding and then an E6 on the throw. is now 7 nothing Virginia in the bottom of the second inning. So if they had the run rule in effect, they would be hitting it, but no run rules in regional play. Um yeah, I have Virginia winning the regional, and I have Virginia actually going to the College World Series because I have Duke winning the Conway Regional, which is paired with Charlottesville. So I have Virginia 
making it to Omaha. I have Vanderbilt over Dallas Baptist in a Super Regional, Arkansas over Iowa, Florida over Campbell. That's one side of the bracket. And then the other side, I have Wake over Boston College. I'm not big on uh, that regional in particular as far as um, the host, Alabama, coming out of it. I know Alabama's had a good season, but I like VC to win there. Miami over Texas A&M in the Supers. LSU over West Virginia, Southern Miss over Clemson. So I have Wake, Miami, LSU, Southern Miss, Florida, Virginia, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. So a whole lot of uh, SEC and ACC Outside of Southern Miss, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat here. I actually have four matchups in the Supers, where it is two teams from the same conference. On that left side, I've got Wake over Boston College, Miami over Stanford. Uh, I have LSU over Kentucky, Clemson over Southern Miss. Going over to the right side of the bracket, Arkansas over North Carolina, Vandy over Dallas Baptist. Uh, Virginia over Duke, and Florida over South Carolina. But I think that might be the most intriguing Super Regional right there is Florida and South Carolina. Yeah, that, that'll be a really good one if it turns out to be that way. And I know the SEC, people get tired of it, but it is really good baseball. And Look, ECU can definitely go on and win this regional. It's just going to have they're gonna play the, their highest level of baseball this season. I mean, Virginia, as they're showing right now, an elite hitting team is they make it 8 nothing. Every time I, I look up, there's a, a run scoring uh, in a, you know, they hey, they have power, but they just have great back control too. Like they're moving the baseball through the middle of the field, through opposite field, uh, and, and they just have a lot of talent up and down the lineup. But if ECU does get through this game, Philip, I, I think that, you know, yeah, they're using Trey Savage, but one advantage they do have as they take on Virginia is in game two, depending on what they use tonight. They could throw a bevy of arms because, you, you know, you can go Danny Bill. You can go Carter Spivey. You can go uh, Zach Root out of the bullpen if you want to. Garrett Saylor. And I think that is one thing that can sometimes slow down a very potent offense. If you kind of know what you're going to get from a starter, you can prepare for it. But all of a sudden, if a team's got four or five different legitimate options to throw to you, different angles, different slots, that's when you can kind of get a team out of rhythm offensively. Yeah, you know, it's almost weird. If you win this game tonight, do you take that approach where I think you, have you to. almost say you get nine hitters? You know, you're not going to face a guy twice. And because if you look at, you know, matchups in baseball, the more times batters see pitchers, and that's not just in one day because obviously the pitchers getting tired, but over a guy's career, you see a lot in the majors where the batter tends to have more success the more matchups they have. And if you go out there and you only see a guy once, you know, that's big. Unfortunately, though, they have seen a lot of our guys because we played them in a scrimmage this fall and we played them in a regional just one year ago. I think it, and it works both ways, too, where ECU maybe knows some weaknesses for how to pitch some of these guys. I mean, last year they only gave up six hits to Virginia in the winner's bracket game. I think Army gave up more than six hits in the first inning alone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. So we'll see. You know, maybe they can bring C.J. Mayhew out of retirement for uh, – Hey, I'm down. Bring him back. Yeah, bring him back for one college game. He's got some eligibility left. All right, let's get our final break in on the other side. We'll wrap up the show with our final thoughts on tonight's matchup. And we didn't make our actual World Series pick. We picked who's going Omaha, right? So, yeah, we did. So we got to reveal who we have hoisting the trophy. All right, hoisting the trophy on Hoist the Colors. We have that on the other side, 94-3 the game. Live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into the show. Uh, Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We are approaching the end of the show. And I just wanted to 
shout out one thing in particular. We actually have the uh, the Rose Championship Baseball Series coming up tonight. We'll have coverage on WTIB 103.7. Uh, our talk station will have that for you. Rose versus West Henderson, 8 p.m. The coverage gets underway tonight. Croft, Massey, and Jackson Searles on the call. We've got several sponsors. We want to run down some of those for you guys. And then, of course, tomorrow, 2 p.m., and then Sunday, if necessary, will be 5 or 8. Again, that will be on 103.7 WTIB. Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine Center, Meridian Park Apartments, the Gavigan Agency, the J.H. Rose Athletic Foundation, Wells Fargo Advisors, and Greenville Stadium Sports, the law firm, of Hardy, Massey, and Blodgett, Caraway Office Solutions, the Tire Realty Group, Pitt County Schools as well, also helping out with our coverage there. So awesome local support. Check out J.H. Rose. You heard RV. Ronald Vincent on the show, Patrick Johnson show last night as well. All right, back in the studio with Philip Pilkington as we wrap up today's show. Virginia about to score another run as Army is just, they can't field the ball. They can't pitch it. It is now 10 nothing. They've already made, I think, three errors. Um, I honestly expected more from the Black Knights, Philip, but they came in as really dominant champions of the Patriot League, which is a lower level of baseball, but a top 100 RPI team. They look awful. They do. And, you know, when you looked at the four seeds, I thought they were definitely one of the top two or three four seeds in this tournament, and clearly they're just not playing with it right now. And honestly, it's about like watching the Bad News Bears. It's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, and unfortunately, no run rule in the NCAA baseball tournament. So 10 nothing in the second. This Technically, this game could still be gone by the time I reach Charlottesville uh, if they continue to score uh, at this rate. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're just not getting outs, man. I mean, this is, it's painful to watch. So, yeah, ECU Oklahoma scheduled for 7 o'clock. We'll see if they get uh, get started on time. We'll see if this game's over by 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to watch. we got Newton Smith on YouTube. He says ECU will upset Virginia again. We'll see if the Pirates can get through Oklahoma tonight. Uh, before we get out of here, we, we ran down our eight College World Series picks, and we're trying to do the reverse jinx. But neither of us have ECU making it, so that means the Pirates could be going we did not make our championship series picks, so uh, I'll allow you to do that as we wrap up the show, and I'll make my pick. Uh, I've got Florida over LSU. So you got the All-SEC Championship. Yeah. No one seed has won the NCAA tournament in baseball since, I believe it was Miami in 98 or 99. Wake Forest is the number one overall seed this year. They've had a dominant season. I've got them going to the championship game, and I've got them losing to the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I think that streak will continue until ECU becomes the number one overall seed next year and hoist the trophy in in 2024. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, listen, I I think East Carolina is certainly capable of winning this regional as we wrap up the show. It's just you're going to have to play very high-level baseball. It's just so tough for you the two-seed versus the one. We're seeing the one right now pretty much not have a free pass, but they're going to have it easy. ECU is going to have to play well into the night turn around if they win and play a very talented team in Virginia. So just going to have to play really good baseball all weekend. No, you And we mentioned it off the air, too, the fact that Virginia, or maybe we mentioned this part on the air, that Virginia will not have to use their big-time bullpen arms yep. and we think ECU will be in a tighter baseball game, as well as the fact that what worries us uh, that we both did talk about off the air is that if Virginia does get set in the loser's bracket on Saturday, they've got the hitting to hit their way through three wins between Sunday and Monday. Yeah, I think ECU's got the best pitching in the regional, but Virginia clearly the best hitting, and it's going to be tough to to overcome that. But, hey, that's why they play the games, and ECU definitely has a shot if they play their potential. 
Alright, this has been fun. We previewed the regional all week. We finally reached the point where the games have started. Again, we'll have coverage for you on 94.3 The Game tonight and on hoistthecolors.net as well. It's been fun. We'll join you next Monday. Maybe we'll still be talking about a regional championship game or ECU regional championship victory. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back Monday with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.